Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazar. And today we have a couple of things to cover from a men's basketball commit to the Batcats getting drafted to just the tiniest bit of realignment and my favorite wacky segment that we have ever done on this week. And time permitting, maybe we'll talk about and uh, shamelessly steal a segment from Bosco's boys. I mean, um, no, 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 it's shamelessly stealing. <laughs> borrowing. borrowing, borrowing, borrowing from Bosco's boys. But let's not dilly dally around. Let's go straight into the men's basketball commit. And that is a brand new commit for the class of 2023. The first one that is a non transfer for the Doomtang clan and the first commit of the 2023 cycle. And that is Darren Ames, better known as Day Day, a four star point guard out of Illinois, specifically Chicago, if I'm remembering correctly, right? That's right. And of course, he is the first class of 23 commit and you're the recruiting guy, at least according to uh, the super secret hangout spot that we have where we put all our outlines. So what do you have on Day Day? Um, other than the fact that he has a really cool name, uh, he's the sixth highest uh, rated recruit for K-State uh, ever, I believe, on 24-7. And he's the highest rated I believe the number I saw going around was since 2009, which would have been Wally Judge. So hopefully he turns out better than Wally Judge did. Um, but yeah, right now, yeah, right now the uh, 24/7 composite has him as a 0. 0.9784. Uh, definitely a higher caliber than we're used to. Even more so than Nigel Pack, who was a fairly highly regarded recruit. He is the 51st nationally ranked recruit, the eighth rated point guard and the number one player in the state of Illinois, which of course is well known for producing high level basketball uh, prospects uh, just due to the fact that Chicago generally produces a lot of basketball prospects, but he's a little undersized. He's listed at 6'1", 160, but K-State kind of has a penchant. I feel like for undersized point guards, I mean, Nigel Pack, uh, Kamal Stokes, Marquise Noel, of course, uh, even Jacob Poland. He was only six foot five eleven, as I recall. Uh, so K State kind of has made their bread and butter around uh, guys like this. He's a lefty. That's also something that's notable about him. So I'm a little partial to the names. This is a a fellow lefty. But um, reading through twenty four seven, one thing that jumps out to me. I didn't read the full scouting report because I just I just watched the film. Uh, myself, but I noticed that they compared him to LJ Cryer of Baylor, who was he was a guard at Baylor, which I think is very telling of Jerome Tang uh, wanting to run a similar style as Baylor, yeah. uh, that they would want a very similar point guard. Where you know you may look at them and their size and stature, may like try and draw comparisons to Nigel Pack. I don't think they could be more different as point guards. They have entirely different games. Uh, Nigel, obviously an elite shooter, maybe the best shooter in the country, uh, day day. Um, he can shoot. He is a good shooter, but he is not Nigel pack because nobody is Nigel pack. Yeah, very, um, no. <laughs> but yeah. And he, uh, 
doesn't have the above the rim explosiveness that we may get used to seeing uh, from um, Jerome Tang coach teams where athleticism is keyed on. But uh, Day Day Ames, he is quick at getting to the basket. He's crafty in the lane. Uh, he is really good at getting open. He has phenomenal uh, dribbling skills and a dribble move skill set that he has. Great ball handler. Um, he um, plays pretty solid defense as well. He's not the most incredible athlete. I'd say he's a better athlete than Nigel Pack, but that's not saying a ton because Nigel Pack was many things. An explosive athlete was not one of them, but he's great at getting himself open. He's great at finding other people uh, as well. Uh, a stat line I saw from one of his AAU games was uh, 19 points, 10 assists. Uh, so uh, we're, we're looking at more of a distributor here, but that's not to say that he can't score because I'd say that he's almost as good at scoring. And that's what you're going to see from a lot of these highly rated guys. I mean, he's a high four star top 50 prospect. So you're, you're going to see guys that are pretty good at most everything, or they maybe have one weakness or they're just especially good at one area, but there's a lot to like about day day Ames. He's probably the best prospect that K-State has brought in in quite some time. Nigel Pack is comparable. Other than that, uh, Dean Wade comes to mind, but there's very few other names that jump out as players that are in the same stratosphere as Day-Day Ames in the last decade. He's an excellent prospect um, that should hopefully be able to contribute immediately in 2023 uh, in some capacity when he arrives, but we'll see. Yeah. And honestly, I this is kind of a, a little bit of a tangent. We we kind of been waiting on for SK State fans, kind of been waiting on an uptick in recruiting in both football and basketball after you know a couple years of you know pretty solid, like okay to solid recruiting. And we thought that it would be for Coach Tang. We thought it'd be you know a couple years, like you'd, t- you'd take the climbing trajectory. Where you know he was pretty consistently good, and then he this year he's really kicked it up. Uh, no, did Tang just decided to speed run that arc, and he he's just up kicked the recruiting instantly. <laughs> yeah, he. Um, I think when he got here, I think every, I think everybody's expectations were probably unrealistic because they I think they were expecting five stars to just like be fighting to get in like immediately, yeah. which. Even then, like this is a pretty quick turnaround for this uptick in recruiting, about four months, um, it looks like. But um, yeah, I, I think that we've seen a lot of uh, swerving and what we've expected from him, where we started out way too high, at least with way too immediate expectations, I'd say. I think the expectation for level was about right. But I think that the timeline was a little too fast there. Then everybody's expectations really dropped there for a couple of months um, because we weren't bringing in those guys immediately. You know, we got Jarrell Colbert, the former five-star, but he was a transfer that didn't really produce much, even though he's incredibly promising. So it's been a bit of a roller coaster for recruiting expectations. But I think at the end of the day, they've ended up about where they should have been all along which is going to be high-level four-stars pushing for five-stars occasionally. Uh, this is the type of player that Baylor built their program around. Drum Tank is going to follow that blueprint. They're going to work hard to get the players that they think are best to fit the program and not reach uh, too far or take guys that they wouldn't be comfortable with 
Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Because he said, I think it was in one of his first press conferences, it was something to the effect of, uh, you get the right recruit, he helps you for two or three years. You get the wrong recruit, it can set your program back four or five. It was something like that. Oh, as I remember, it was uh, if you miss on the or if you uh miss a, if you like have a bad eval on a recruit that goes elsewhere he'll beat you twice a year oh if yeah. you bring in a guy that doesn't fit your culture he'll beat, beat you every, every day. day yeah it's not it's something like that i probably butchered it but it's to that effect where it's basically like letting like a good player that doesn't fit your culture go somewhere else he wins two days a year and vice versa, you know, they're, they're going to beat you every single day. Yeah. And which, which is a really good philosophy, but enough about philosophies and recruiting. We, that's pretty much the men's basketball update for the doom tank clan. Welcome day day Ames to the Kansas state wildcat family. But now we get to talk a little bit about the Batcats, which we'll end up doing an episode in probably a couple of weeks where we talk about, I believe, the two or three baseball commits that we ended up missing talking about. Because I've actually watched two or three commits go by, just look at them and say, huh, that's cool. We need to talk about that and then just never put it on the outline. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> Darn, but... We'll, we'll do an episode on them soon, but now this is a time to talk about the MLB draft and which K-State Wildcats are represented and got drafted. The first and foremost, and the one that is almost certainly gone, is Dylan Phillips. He got taken in round eight to the Angels. And if you don't remember Dylan Phillips, you probably should. He's the all-time home run leader at K-State and also our closer and also our first baseman. He he wore a lot of hats, also like one of three lefties on the pitching staff. He wore a lot of hats, but he ended up getting drafted in round eight to the Angels, which I actually think is a really good fit for him in particular for his major league aspirations because the Angels are not necessarily known for their budding farm system. They are known for having Shohei Otani and Mike Trout on the same team. Uh, and still losing. <laughs> yeah. Which is a shame. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. It could have, I, I was okay. I was about to say it could have happened to anybody. It really couldn't have. But really couldn't. You had to be Shohei or Mike Trout. You had to be two of the best baseball players of the last like 30 years. Right. But yeah, Dylan Phillips, he actually, like, yeah, this is a, I would say, perfect landing spot for him because if he wants to be a two way player in any capacity, you might as well go where the most popular i'd say the most popular player in the game right now uh who's also known as a dominant two-way guy Shohei otani uh has been thriving despite you know the team around him being not very good but this is a a pretty natural landing spot uh for dylan phillips you have to probably feel good about that i'd imagine that he'll end up going pro uh with this unless he thinks he can come back and increase his draft stock even more although he is getting a little older so i Totally understand if he leaves. I I was shocked he didn't get drafted at all last year. Yeah. I I couldn't believe it. Um, but he's I think he's about where he belongs. I I don't there's no guarantee that the Angels would take him again next year. And whatever situation you get into next year probably wouldn't be as good. So good for Dylan. And also uh 
he also has his degree. He graduated. So that's something. Yeah. So if that's the, if that's the case, then I'm not sure why he'd stick around unless he's like playing the odds on most guys that get to the minor leagues, not going anywhere. So he's thinking maybe I need my master's, which is more of a concern at sports that aren't like football, men's basketball. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Uh, if I were him, I'd probably go, but I, I would gladly take him back. You know, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd gladly accept him. You know, yeah, I, if he wants to return for another season, I would allow it, but I, I'd be surprised if he did. But that's up to him. I imagine that he's going, but we'll see. Yeah. And then there were two other what bat cats who got drafted, both back to back, actually. The first one was Blake Adams in round 13 to the Rockies and then Dom Johnson in round 13 to the Tigers. Um, the moment of silence for Blake Adams being a pitcher who was drafted to play for the Colorado Rockies. That real that truly is a shame and that truly could have happened to anybody. Yeah. I, I, I do feel bad for him. I really do. Like that, that's just a rough place to end up. If you don't know uh, it, the Rockies are not the place to be um, as a, uh, a pitcher up and coming just because that ballpark is just awful, 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 awful for uh, uh, for pitchers just because of the high elevation. The ball travels further. It's it's pretty rough. So yeah, do you know who the best pitcher in Rockies history is by ERA um, plus, I think? No, I don't. And it's probably for a reason. It's Yabaldo Jimenez. The three years that Yabaldo Jimenez was good was enough to make him the best pitcher in Rockies history by virtue of just playing in that ballpark. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> yeah, but other than the landing spot, Blake Adams going to the Rockies is a decent fit. You know, they don't have, they're not necessarily known for their pitching depth. I wonder why, <laughs> but you know, maybe he ends up, well, no, that's a national league team, even though they're thinking about um, DH, but yeah, Blake Adams round 13 to the Rockies and then Dom Johnson, the next pick, I believe, or I could have it backwards, but he ends up going to the Detroit Tigers and that to me is probably the most interesting fit, not necessarily because it's a good or a bad fit, just simply it's one that if you told me that Dom Johnson, like after I saw him play at K-State, if you told me that he was going to be a Detroit Tiger, I definitely would have bought it. I would have bought that. Yeah, yeah, I, I can buy it too. Yeah. Because I remember I saw Phillips end up with the Angels, and I was like, that's a great fit. I saw Johnson at the Tigers, and I was like, yeah, I could see that. Adams was the one that made no sense, but that's just by virtue of being a pitcher, and the Rockies have to have pitchers. So, you know, there's no getting around it. Yeah. But I will say I was a little surprised that Dom Johnson didn't end up getting drafted higher than yeah. round 13. I figured that he would go around where Dylan Phillips did. But, you know, getting drafted is getting drafted. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a solid landing spot for, uh, Dom Johnson. He is in that range where he could consider coming back. Um, uh, cause doesn't, I don't think the, doesn't, doesn't Blake Adams still have eligibility too. 
yeah they both do they they were both uh uh they i think blake adams might have been a junior and dom johnson was a uh, sophomore yeah last year so they both have eligibility remaining so they could come back and you honestly you might see blake adams come back just because it's the rockies <laughs> so like yeah and again that's no shade at the rockies like it's not like i hate their franchise or anything it's just that it's a rough place to be a pitcher like adams may not want to do that especially as a as a power pitcher in course yeah so. you don't want to be a power but you don't want to be any type of pitcher in course but i would say both are coin flips for coming back that's what i would put the odds at are both pretty just 50 50. Yeah, I, I think that's probably fair. Um, I, I have no expectations on it. I hope Dom Johnson comes back because he was really great. Uh, and I hope that Blake Adams does as well because, you know, you hate to go to new pitchers because you bring him back, then you would bring back McCullough as well. And then hopefully you would get uh, Jackson Wentworth back from injury who we, did never, who we never saw last year and is allegedly really good. Yeah, uh, given we'll his never perfect know. game rating. Yeah, yeah we, we might never know. Herman Fajardo coming back. That's true, yeah. So next year should be the year in theory for the, the Bat Cats, but we will see. Uh Nick Goodwin did just win. Uh he was an he was a uh, all-star in his summer league. Um but I, I didn't track much of the uh, the other ones. I remember when I saw Dom Johnson get drafted, I initially thought it said Dom Hughes. Yeah. And like, I, 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 I like audibly said, really? Like, really? I was like, no I disrespect mean, good, to him, but like, yeah, great, great for Dom, but I didn't even think he was draft eligible. So, like, <laughs> like much less like, you know, draft, draftable. So I was like, oh, well. But while we were talking about this, uh, I also decided to look up Jordan Wicks's uh, minor league stats just for fun. Mm. Uh, he was in high A, uh, had 16 starts, four and three record, three six five ERA, uh, 86 strikeouts, 17 walks, and 66 innings pitch with a WHIP of 1.245. He very simply does not walk people. Yep. He just got called up to double A. He has one start at double A. And he uh, went three innings with three earned. So nine ERA right now in double A. But one start and his first one at that. So yeah. Uh, first first at a new team, new place, new park. Yeah. So can't really complain about that too much, I don't think. Um, double A in one year, eh? <laughs> yeah, not, not bad. Honestly, not bad at all. Speaking of former pitchers, I'm going to check out Eric Torres really quick, just for fun. Okay. But um, I can stall if you need to look. No, I just got it. Okay. Uh, he's in, He just he got called up to double A for this season. Uh, 25 appearances, 1.72 ERA, 10 saves, 31 innings, 48 strikeouts, 12 walks, six earned across those 31 innings. With a whip of 0.926. What? <laughs> Eric Torres. This is a double is, A? This is a double A. He is killing it for Rocket City. Oh, the, the trash pandas. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's in the uh, the Angels organization. Yeah, he was uh, high A last year and he's double A this year. Huh. He is doing 
excellent. I mean, he has a lower ERA in double A than he did his last season at K-State. And his last season at K-State, he was dominant. Yeah. Wow. That And he was like, what, a 15th round pick last year? He was not highly drafted. He was, uh, yeah, 14th round. All right. Good for Eric Torres. I know it's a little bit of a side tangent, but I, I was thinking, I was just like, I wonder how Eric Torres is doing because... I, I was also curious about Jordan Wicks, and he is killing in the minor leagues right now. Yeah. So good for the Batcats. Good good to Dylan Phillips, Blake Adams, Dom Johnson, and, of course, Jordan Wicks and Eric Torres. And the next thing that we're going to talk about is just the tiniest little bits about realignment. There have been meetings occurring between the Pac-12 and not only other conferences, but the schools within themselves. The Big 12 and Pac-12 had a meeting, and the Big 12 notably was the one who walked away saying that, no, we will not be merging. So... (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I I hate to say this to the Pac-12. They they probably should have killed us when they had the chance. (laughs) Yeah. I would normally feel bad because I think realignment as a whole is bad for college athletics. I agree. Mainly because I'm a sucker for geographic rivalries. Um, I don't care as much about playing West Virginia as I do KU or Oklahoma State or Texas Tech or Iowa State. Like I love playing all those schools. But realignment has really messed with that a lot. And it's a reality. It's a fact of life. I've accepted that. But um, the Pac-12 had numerous opportunities to kill off the Big 12. And they elected to be dumb instead, which is playing to the benefit of the Big 12 and not the benefit of the Pac-12 because they are in a difficult situation right now. To say the least. Yeah, one might say. So the big 12 right now is in a pretty good spot to take at least two pac 12 schools. Um, there's a lot of rumors floating around about it. I think at this point, most people are pretty accepting of the fact that pac 12 schools will be poached by big 12 schools, or that I should say pac 12 schools will be applying to join the big 12. Maybe is yeah. a better way, a better way to put it more official way to put it. More official, but it's still poaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the Pac-12 is going to be in a rough spot going forward. They're probably going to be bringing in some uh, group of five schools, which isn't inherently a bad thing. But I maybe I'm biased. I feel like the Big 12 brought in the best group of five options that were available on the table. Oh, no, we did. Oh, no, yeah. we did. Because right now, the Pac-12, if you're looking to stay regional, which you almost have to as a entirely West Coast conference, you're looking at Boise, Fresno, uh, San Diego, San Diego State, San Jose, San, San Jose State. That's there's not many other options other than that SMU if you want to try and get into Texas, but because which SMU would be a solid ad, I suppose. Um, like I wouldn't hate it if the Big Twelve took SMU, although it'd be it'd be a little weird situation with TCU. Um, Colorado State, I guess, is an option, but they've been in turmoil. Uh, every athletic program like to no fault of their own they're investing money it's just not working and which is tough could have happened to anybody 
it, it truly could have. But I mean, at this point, it's almost a foregone conclusion that the Big 12 uh, takes at least two of the schools, depending on who wants to arrive, um, especially with the increase, it seems, in uh, Board of Regents meetings for uh, Colorado, especially. Uh, it seems Colorado's having some buyer's remorse on leaving the conference. What are your thoughts on this, Ace? Because I know there's a lot of KSA fans that kind of don't want Colorado back after how they treat us a decade ago. But how do you feel? I can tell you how my mother feels. <laughs> my no, no, no. <laughs> no we don't need this is a profanity free podcast. Yeah, I, my mother is very upset about this. Um, for me, I was barely sentient whenever Colorado was because I didn't get into football until I was like 16 or 17 years old. I played it but I wasn't really into it until that point in my life it, much less college football. Like I'd watch it if it was on, but I didn't really follow any conference stuff. So I don't really have any of the old school vendetta against like Colorado, but at the same time, I understand why people are vindictive, especially knowing that Colorado fans are Colorado fans and they are the way they are. <laughs> Yeah, which is so weird that their fan base is... You have so... If you're in Colorado, you have so many options to relax. I will not be elaborating, but you have so many options. There's there's no excuse for Colorado fans to be the way that they are, allegedly. allegedly. You know, there's But there's a lot of firsthand accounts that would lend themselves to it. I can't say that I've met many Colorado fans. I've met a Colorado football player. He was pretty nice. But um, most, most of the... Uh, accounts of their fan base are less than stellar but with that being said i was like 11 when they left so i wasn't really able to like understand what conference realignment was to me the big 12 was just an entity that would exist forever and nothing would change that like i i had no concept of like schools being allowed to leave the big 12 that was like a, a foreign concept but you can't leave your band yeah that's kind of how i felt but then you know Colorado just stopped showing up on the schedule along with Nebraska. And I was like, all right, I guess we're not playing them anymore, which was a little weird, but that was about it for me. So I don't hold that animosity that a lot of people do that I think might be clouding judgment right now. And I'm not casting blame on that. I I think that's understandable. I mean, like if Oklahoma and Texas, like 10 years down the road, we're like, oh, we hate the SEC. We really want to come back to the big 12. That's not happening. I would say hold the L. I would legit say hold the L. That sucks. That's the thing, though, you know, like it's it's obviously different, but, you know, the money that they would bring to the conference, like I would tell, I think I would truly tell Texas to stay away just because not even a personal vendetta, which I do hate them. I hate them forever (laughs) is because they're basically responsible for the big 12 not sticking together in the first place. If we could go, if we had a time machine, I think both of us would prevent Texas from joining the big 12 and yep. just send them straight to the sec or to yep. being independent. But I take OU back, you know, in the future, I would not like it, but I would do it simply for stability and whatnot, because like it would annoy me a lot. I wouldn't want to, I think I would take them back. But I'm trying to put myself in the shoes. Of, oh, that means we'd get Bedlam back. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Then come back. 
Uh, just if, for Bedlam. If only for Bedlam, because Bedlam is such a fun rivalry game. I like it more than the Red River rivalry. Oh, yeah. Uh, myself. Easy. Like the Red River games are entertaining, but I feel like the hatred is more palpable between OU and Oklahoma State, especially recently uh, since realignment started. I mean, it's pretty public, honestly, and I, I love it. But I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of fans that are older than me that are really upset about Colorado coming back and saying that we should like leave him out to dry, which I understand. Like I totally get it. I get the feeling, but I put myself in like a different situation, different shoes, like uh, about you know, other schools coming back, like, like Oklahoma or whatever, which obviously won't happen, but I get why people are upset about Colorado, but I think you have to take them if they want back in, which all signs indicate that they do want back in along with some combination of, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, which I guess is the other big factor here is who else is coming. As I, I think we're both in agreement that Colorado, out of all the schools, almost a lock. Not quite. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't want to call anything a lock. The realignment until Penn is on paper. Yeah, so they're the closest you can probably get to a lock. If I still probably will say the most likely outcome is all the four corner schools stay. I mean, all the four store, all of them come to the big 12, but the next most likely outcome is it just Colorado and Arizona come on along and then Arizona state and Utah end up getting locked into the PAC 12 until the PAC 12 dies because Oregon and Washington do not want to be there. So yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I'm in the same spot where I think the most likely situation is that all four end up joining. Because I think right now there's a lot of questions about Utah and Arizona State. Mm-hmm. I think Colorado and Arizona seem to be the uh, tip of the spear here with leaving the Pac-12 uh, for not the big time, I suppose. I mean, I'm not including USC and UCLA. I don't consider them Pac-12 anymore. No. But uh Colorado and Arizona seem to be leading the charge here and there's a non-zero chance in my mind at least that maybe Arizona State and Utah like have to just see them leave and do it and then they're like okay maybe this is like maybe we really need to do this like which I mean maybe that's silly to think but that's I don't think they announce at the same time I think we get two immediately yeah and if and then possibly two more after yeah, but That's regard, kind of meant, yeah. Reg, yeah, no, I, I'm agreeing with you. I, I think regardless of what happens and what they want, um, I think most people seem to be in some sort of agreement. If anything is happening, period, it's probably not happening until August because Brett Yormark, while he is technically the commissioner, he does not fully assume uh, the position until August 1st. So right now, uh, old Bob Trollsby is still the commissioner of the conference. <laughs> so he, he's in control to continue to do wacky things for about nine more days at this point. Ten more, I suppose. But yeah, I'm, I, I feel pretty good about Colorado and Arizona. I mean, at the end of the day, no one truly knows anything. Or better yet, very few people know who knows the truth in uh realignment like like there's plenty of people tweeting things all the time and it's hard to tell what's the truth 
because realignment i think is a good situation where it's not like oh the truth lays somewhere in the middle like that's probably not true for realignment i'd say no just because there there's not a ton of gray area in realignment you're, you're either leaving or you're not generally so or, or i guess the gray area is waiting to see what opportunities arise so what oregon is doing but that's still looking to leave yeah yeah what oregon and washington are i guess the wild cards in this situation because they seem to want to keep the pac-12 together because it's probably financially advantageous for them yeah um and i get it i feel especially bad we've talked about it before i feel especially bad for washington state and oregon state they deserve a lot better than what yeah than their treatment that they're getting right now that's such a shame it really is it could have happened to anybody i truly feel bad for them but especially because this could have been us this could have been us a year ago yeah but you know colorado arizona seemed to be very likely like if this were ncaa football recruiting I'd say that we are like about to bring them on a visit when they're like 80% locked and we're feeling, and we're feeling pretty good about the opponent and we have like four complimentary visits lined up. Oh, okay. So they're committing, (laughs) but two, uh, two of those visits are further away, Arizona state and Utah, but Arizona and Colorado are like on the brink of hashtag committing to the big 12 and being 110% committed and asking people to respect their decision which will be ironic from colorado because in a way they're hashtag decommitting from the school that they or from the conference that they uh committed to after decommitting from their old conference and now they're recommitting to the conference they originally decommitted from very tate martell yeah yeah i got (laughs) is colorado tate martell yes i'll allow it i don't like it but i can't really refuse it all right, but that that's pretty much what we have on realignments. And I think this episode's at what, like thirty? It's at thirty-five or forty minutes. So we'll probably save the the other, the the borrowed segment from Bosco's boys, unless you're okay with this episode being like hour fifteen or something. I honestly don't mind. Okay, then we can all. keep it. But we're going to make that the second wacky segment of the week. The first wacky segment of the week is like i said earlier probably my favorite one that we've ever done and that is there exists i'm not sure if you knew this but there are currently two three-way rivalry trophies in college football basically meaning that it's a series and whoever wins the trophy out of the series is the one who it, it makes more sense if i describe the teams so it's between the two are Navy, Air Force, and Army, all of the service academies. And then, oddly enough, the three directional Michigans, all from the MAC. And I think it's called the MAC-Michigan rivalry or something like that. But basically, if Navy beats Air Force and then Army, they win the Armed Forces trophy. But if Air Force and Navy have a game against one another and Air Force wins, and then Air Force beats Army, Air Force gets to keep the trophy. It's convoluted, but eventually, I think it works out. 
that at least with the service academies that all of them play each other eventually in some sequence that allows the trophy to change hands at least twice. But that's either here nor there. So with that background out of the way, create your own three-way rivalry for college football. Would you like me to go first or would you like to go first? I'll go first. One of the better rivalries in college football that hasn't really been played much recently is that's going to be played this year is uh, Pitt versus West Virginia in the uh, the backyard brawl, as it is called. Um, But there's another rival of West Virginia that also exists that's in that area, uh, Virginia Tech. And I think it'd be really fun to add them together, especially because West Virginia does play both those schools already this year. So, and if Pitt has Virginia Tech on the schedule, I suppose vice versa, which they do. So those three schools all play each other this year. So this in theory could be a rivalry that could happen this year, a three-way rivalry. So we could call it, so we could expand it from the backyard brawl to the backyard bonanza. Because <laughs> I can't think of another good word that starts with B other than like brawl or bonanza. So, yeah, I, I think it'd be fun. I think that West Virginia has some great rivalry games uh, with teams out there, uh, like with Pitt and Virginia Tech. So I figure, why not make this into one big unhappy rivalry where yeah. they play each other and play for, some sort of trophy, which I don't know what that trophy would be. Any I, ideas? Any I don't, a grill. A grill? That'd be fun. Yeah, just like a like a bronzed miniature grill. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'll allow it. Now, why I, not? I, I would allow it as well. I think that'd be pretty cool. Oh, that's that's mine. What is yours, Ace? Mine would be the Wild West shootout, and it would be Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and Colorado. Now, the Texas Tech and Oklahoma State is pretty obvious because both of their mascots are Cowboys, and I believe Texas, uh, I about said Texas State, Texas Tech is, uh, we're not talking about the Bobcats today, Texas Tech, their motto is guns up, and I believe one of Oklahoma state's rivalries is something to the same effect. So you get the shootout there. And originally I was going to look at what school was closest to the okay corral. And then that was Norman. So, (laughs) and then I'm like, well, Colorado, because, and the reason why I picked Colorado was almost exclusively because of their fan base, because I imagined a world where Oklahoma state, Texas tech and Colorado fans we're constantly fighting over this one trophy and it would just be like, um, like one facing upwards dueling pistol and the others like facing downwards, just like, you know, in bronze and things like that. I just think that'd be really funny watching the fan bases interact and get passionate over a trophy, mostly because tech's tech is known for their fans enthusiasm Oklahoma State is known for the same thing, and Colorado's fan base is known for being Colorado's fan base. Yeah. I just imagine that rivalry. It'd be awesome. So, yeah, mine's the Wild West shootout. I like that a lot. Uh, I liked it a lot more than I initially thought because I was like, Colorado seems like a bit of a sore thumb there, but like the way that you describe it, they 
they still are, but it works. And yeah. I like it. And then you can also, you can make it work with uh, a Red Raider uh, as like the outlaw, a cowboy as uh, representing like the goodness of man. And then the buffalo, the buffalo as nature. Uh, so you have uh, the the bad, the bad part of mankind, the good part of mankind, and you have the force of nature as well. Yeah. So you got three, three different aspects of a good story there. So uh, my, I, I, I can make that work. Yeah, I like that. My honorable mention, I'm not going to spend as much time on it, was Arizona, K-State, and Northwestern, and it would be the cat fight. Losers have to change their nicknames for a year. Is Arizona's mascot also Willie? Because I know Northwestern's is. I'm not sure what Arizona's mascot is. I will look it up. Because I know that Northwestern and K-State both have a Willie Wildcat, and they're both purple. And a, Bob Trollsby, no, 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 wait, it was Rolly Poly Cole. He he found out that they also have Nightmare Willie at Northwestern. Nightmare. They have a Nightmare Willie. Oh, uh, Arizona's mascot is Wilma. The Wildcat. Oh. Huh. Uh, because they used to have a uh, male Wildcat named Wilbur. Which like that's like a that's like that's like a cute name for a Wildcat, I feel like. Wilbur. Yeah. Like like Willie's like the fun loving Wildcat. Wilbur is like like a Wildcat that just enjoys a good book and like a ray of sun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's in Arizona. He's in the right place for sun. Perhaps Wilbur still exists. Uh, I think they might both exist. Wilbur and Wilma both exist. Apparently, they are married as well. It says Wilma made her first appearance on March 1st, 1986. She was on a blind date with Wilbur. They were married in November <laughs> at the Arizona, Arizona State football game and uh they celebrated their 20th anniversary at the arizona state game in 2006 wow arizona the, just became my tier one target for realignment i want them more than ever. they've just, just because- overtaken colorado because i i want to learn the marital dynamics of wilbur and wilma like do you think they've ever had couples counseling Like, do you think they went through a rough patch like in COVID or something? Um, I don't know. I feel like maybe they made it work. I don't know. I, I'd like to think that they're wholesome enough. I wonder if like the the writers of like the story to Arizona like ever get creative with things like that. Like they have marital issues or anything, or they just like an all around great couple with like the no all American family. That must be it. I wonder if they have a child. It didn't mention anything about that. But I feel like the natural name for the child would be Willie. It almost would. Be, it almost certainly would be. All right. That'd be funny. This yeah. is the most I've ever spoken about Arizona's mascot, and probably ever will. Fun facts and lore with the alley cats. The more you know. All right. So the next one is the road trip segment. Which shout out to Scott Wildcat of Bosco's Boys for the inspiration. So basically, the rules are we go weeks zero through weeks 15. 
We pick one game every week that we we would want to travel to, building the ultimate college football road trip. The only rule is that you cannot visit a game with the same school twice, barring championship games, because you technically don't know who's going to be there. But we're just going to go ahead and start with week zero. If you listen to, if you watch ESPN or look at the schedule there, they have it marked as week one, but it's week zero. So we will alternate if that's all right. So I'll go first for week zero. You go first for week one, so on and so forth. That's all right. That's fine by me. All right. So my week zero game is Vanderbilt at Hawaii. Now I know what you're thinking. Wow. That sounds like an awful football game. You are correct, but I want to go to Hawaii. <laughs> Ace, I don't think anyone on earth can blame you for that decision. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that's a great choice, honestly. So I, I yeah, I'm wrong with that. Do you have anything more you want to say about that? Or Not really. I mean, I just really want to go to Hawaii and like, I've never been there before. So, you know, I get to see a football game as a bonus. I get to make fun of Vanderbilt since their, I think it was their head coach said Vanderbilt has the potential to be one of the best programs in college football. And everyone had a good laugh at their expense. (laughs) I forgot he said that. That was recent. No, he said that like yesterday. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that was, that was, I, I almost forgot that he said that. Yep. Also, their, their coach, uh, he reminds me of a character from the show Barry. Uh, the actor, uh, I forget his name, but they look very similar. It's actually uncanny. I'll, I'll show you after the show. I forget the actor's name, though. Um, but my week zero game is Nebraska versus Northwestern in Ireland. Week zero, there's like four or five games happening. So it's basically, do you want to go to Hawaii or Ireland is yeah. what Ace and I came to with this game. And I was like, you know, I'll, I'd kind of like to go to Ireland. That I'm very interested to see how the Irish react to American football because I don't think there's ever been an American football game in Ireland. There's been, there's been American football games in the UK. They're having one in Germany this year, there's I think. Mexico. Yeah, they they try. I know they tried to have a Chiefs game, in Mexico. It didn't work. Um, but yeah, then um, Ireland. I'd be very interested to see how the Irish react to American football. Um, I'd imagine that they probably somewhat enjoy it as like a novelty. Yeah. It's interesting they chose Nebraska and Northwestern uh, to play a conference game you think uh, in like week Notre zero. Yeah, uh, think they yeah, Notre Dame. You would think maybe they thought that'd be culturally insensitive to, to <laughs> there, but. Um, I don't know. That, I, th- I, I think we picked the two obvious choices. You can't go wrong with either because you either end up in Hawaii with an objectively bad game or in Ireland, which is also a very pretty place, with a slightly better game. So, yeah, it's just where you want to go. Yeah. But I'll start off week one. Uh, for me, this is a game I'm just excited to have exist again. And I see that later you have like the, like, other game that we spoke about kind of in the same vein a little earlier. Uh, I had the backyard brawl with West Virginia versus Pitt. Uh, This game uh, is a historic rivalry. These two schools absolutely hate each other. Like they hate their guts and everything about them. Um, So I would absolutely love to see this game as a neutral observer 
because sometimes watching rivalry games as a neutral observer is more fun than being like one of the teams just especially if it's a hated rivalry just yeah. because you you really get to see uh, uh people act uh unwise not well unwise <laughs> yeah that's a good way to put it but yeah i'm i'm really excited for this game to happen period so i'd love to go watch it my week one is actually a neutral site game it's the oregon and georgia game uh, i think this is actually going to be a more competitive game than most people think it's a neutral site game in mercedes-benz stadium in new orleans and oregon's new head coach was wasn't he the dc he was yeah at georgia so you have that storyline Plus, I get to go to New Orleans, which, to quote a Bowling for Soup song, New Orleans is evil, but it's part of the appeal. Yeah, that kind of tracks, honestly. I, New Orleans is a great place to visit. I wouldn't want to live there, but it's oh, nice. Oh, absolutely to, not. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's it's all right to visit for a couple of days. Yeah, and I think that'd be a really fun game, to, especially because it's in an NFL stadium. And it's not the first time or the last. Well, it is the first time, but it's not the last time an NFL stadium will end up on my short list. Now, week two, I know technically this isn't a road trip for me, but come on. This is a game that pits my early childhood to my teenage and college years. I have to go to the MUK State game. I have to. I know it's not a road trip. I know it's in Manhattan, but I have to go to this game. Yeah, uh, I think that's a great pick. I seriously considered that game as well, especially because there's been a lot of hype building around it recently. There's, I feel like with the game starting to approach, there's been more outward chippiness between the two fan bases, it seems like, on Twitter Ooh, yeah. and, not, and whatnot. Uh, we, we just saw a recruiting battle uh, for Joshua Manning end up being finalist Missouri and K-State and Missouri was the pick there after it seemed like K-State had them for a minute but so there's a lot of emotion going to this game for both the fans and also the coaching staff uh, for that and then the teams of course they're going to want to prove they're going to prove themselves a lot of Kansas kids on this roster going to want to prove uh, Kansas has a superior state and then even you got guys like Felix and Edika Uzama who are from Missouri uh, Devin Weathers from Missouri, who are going to want to prove that they made the right choice crossing the state border. So a lot of a lot of storylines playing in there. However, I talked about it a lot. I didn't pick it. That, I actually didn't pick that game. Yeah, I picked Iowa State versus Iowa. Um, I forget what they call this game. There's a name for it. And uh, I mainly want to go this game because something really weird happens in it every single year. Yeah, and I really just want to be on hand for it. Like a couple of years ago when. It seemed like Iowa State had the victory and then they like muffed a punt or something like that. Or it was their own player ran into their punt return and they had a muff punt. It's the Cyhawk trophy, by the way. The Cyhawk trophy. Uh last year it was, I think, uh Brock Purdy played like terribly and got benched. And it was just a really bad game. Everyone was like, was like, wow, Iowa like really won like a grit and grind game. Like that Iowa State defense is really tough, which they were, but also I was Offense is really, really bad. So, but we didn't know that. Yet. But yeah, I definitely roll with that. Um, so I guess unless you have anything else to say, we can move on to week three. We got week three. And week three, I went with Penn State versus Auburn uh for my game, which I believe that's a home game for Auburn, unless yeah. It, it yeah, which is unless pretty it's interesting. neutral site. It could be a neutral site game. Um 
I'll, I'll check on it. I didn't put the locations uh, on my list, which my bad, but <laughs> I mainly want to watch this game just because I'm interested to see how uh, the fan bases from two very different parts of the country interact, uh, where you have Deep South with Auburn, and then you get uh, Pennsylvania with uh, Penn State, and uh, you get that that classic Mason Dixon line rivalry. So we have we have to the the North has to prove themselves in this case. Penn State, we're counting on you. <laughs> don't yeah. don't let us down. Don't don't give them any hope. Penn State, we we cannot allow it. But it is a CBS broadcast, and it is at Jordan Hare Stadium. Okay, so should be a really fun game. Depending on if Auburn is good. Which jury's out. Also, depending on if Penn State's good, jury's out. <laughs> yep. So my week three is actually Texas Tech at North Carolina State. The main re- this is one of the ones that I'm just like, yeah, this will be a decently competitive game. I just really want to go to Raleigh, North Carolina. I don't know why. I've been to Charleston, South Carolina. I really liked it there, and I wouldn't live there again. But you know, it was a cool place to visit. And I just kind of want to see North Carolina. It's a state I haven't been to. So, yeah, I want to go and visit it and get, a, get to see a pretty good football game. Plus, I get, to, I get to visit the stadium of the one team who will never fail to absolutely just assassinate me in NCAA 14. That's interesting. Uh, I keep NCAA. putting them on the schedule. I've beat them like once and I've played them like 20 times. I'm very sorry to hear this. I think it's at this point it's all mental, but <laughs> this is what it is. Yeah. Do you have but, anything else for week three? Um, no, no, I don't. It's a uh, really tough luck for Texas Tech. They have to face NC State on the road because this is probably gonna be NC State's best team in years. Yep. So that that's really that's a shame. That could happen to anybody. Yeah, you need to get that on a T-shirt. But <laughs> we say it enough. But. My week four matchup is the second half of the, I think I ended up calling it the block party brawl. You ended up calling it the backyard bonanza, but mine would be the second half of that rivalry, which would be West Virginia versus Virginia tech and Blacksburg. Yes, it is mostly because of, I want to be enter Sandman live, but also because that's a sick game. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Incredible game. I nearly chose this one, but I could not because I chose the backyard brawl and I didn't want to have to go back and change my week one because I also have Blacksburg on my all-time bucket list as a venue to watch a game at. But instead, I'm going to be at TCU-SMU mainly for the storyline of TCU taking their coach, a lot of their coaching staff, several of their players, few of the recruits, uh, and bringing them across town into Fort Worth. And I'm very interested to see uh, the hate that brews in this one because this is an away game for TCU. It's played at uh, SMU, which also, fun fact, SMU Stadium is named after Gerald Ford, uh, former president, which I guess he's an alum. Either that or he just really likes SMU. Um, Most notable thing Gerald Ford did. <laughs> yeah, other than be president. But, yeah. <laughs> no. No. But... <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm mainly interested in that game for the storylines. 
Uh, and then this, this is going to be another game where it's a, it's a rivalry. It's a classic rivalry, but there's a lot of heat uh, involved in it as well. Uh, so I, I'm very interested to see it. Yeah. But unless you have anything else to add, I, we can move on. Nope, we're good. Um, week five, I have NC State at Clemson. So I am watching NC State just a couple weeks after you are. I mainly chose this game because it's the game that will probably decide uh, that side of the ACC yeah. and could potentially decide the ACC champion when it's all said and done. As NC State allegedly is going to be very good this year. And uh, Clemson has been consistently very good as well. Um, even though they had a bit of a down year last year, they still won like nine games, I think. Yeah, they're so, still a nine-win team. Yeah, yeah, they had a down year. Yeah, they went ten and three. You know, but it was a, a down year for Clemson. They went ten and three. Uh, so I'm interested to see it. It's at Clemson, so tough situation for NC State. But I am interested in that game uh, to a high level. But what is your week five? My week five is LSU at Auburn in Auburn. Not only because I've been to Auburn and their Texas Roadhouse there is actually very good. It's one of the best Texas Roadhouses I've ever been to. That's a true story. I actually have been to the Auburn, Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> it's just off the highway. But, <laughs> <it's>, uh, <laughs> but the main reason I chose this game is because I looked at everything else and everything else was just kind of, it, it wasn't a non-starter for me, but it was just either the city wasn't a big enough draw or the game wasn't good enough. So I'm going to go, eh, I'm going to go with two teams that I think will be solid. Going to go to a pretty big stadium, a historic stadium in Jordan air, and just going to have a grand old time. Probably not going to eat at that Texas roadhouse again, but you know, probably find like a local place, but you know, uh, Oklahoma state Baylor is also a pretty good game that week as well. Well, yeah, um, but I can't use Oklahoma State for this. I can't waste it for this one. Oh, yeah, I can't either. That was my issue. Was I was like, ah, oh, there's a lot of good Oklahoma State games, but I have to save it. So, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate, but. Yep. So, week six for me is Brigham Young University versus Notre Dame in Las Vegas in the, the Death Roomba <laughs> Allegiant Stadium. No, wait, is it Allegiant? And uh, which and uh, Vegas? Oh, I think that's Allegiant. It. it I, know, I always call it the Death Roomba. Uh, it's it's a great looking stadium. I want to go. I want to see a game there. Uh, anyways. But... Yeah, the, this is the the main reason I want to go here is because again, never been to Vegas. It's very funny that this is a Mormons versus Catholics battle, and yeah. also this is probably the only chance that I will get to go to see a game at the Death Roomba that does not involve the Raiders or UNLV, and I don't want to see either of those teams live. Fair. So BYU and Notre Dame in Sin City is my pick. It is definitely weird that. Uh... BYU and Notre Dame have elected to play in Vegas. Yeah, with uh, Sin City. Right, yeah, yeah. Mormons and Catholics and Vegas, which is odd combination. That sounds like the title, like that's either the start of a really bad joke or like a really cheesy hangover ripoff. Yeah. Uh, a Mormon and a Catholic 
walk are in Vegas. They are playing football. Yes, they are playing football. What will they do? <laughs> that it's not a joke. It's just a statement of what will be happening. It's a statement of fact. Uh, for my week six game, I went with um, Texas A&M at Alabama entirely because A&M has su- has seemingly had Alabama's number. Um, like it seems like A&M has been able to have more success against them than the average SEC school. That and also there's been a lot of uh, tension between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban, um, which I hate playing into SEC narratives and stuff like that. You know, I don't know how real it is, but they seem to be drumming something up around them. So I'm, I'm going to roll with it, I guess. Um, <laughs> I, I'm interested enough. They got me, I guess. But I, I, I definitely uh, would like to see that, especially just because it's probably, even though I, I hate the SEC, um, it's worth seeing games and some SEC stadiums regardless, just because it's probably a pretty good environment. Uh, a couple runner-ups for this week. I very seriously considered K-State, Iowa State, Farmageddon, um, and then also Red River uh, rivalry between Texas and OU um, is this week as well, but I ended up deciding against it. So, But moving on to week seven, unless you have anything else to add. Nope. I went with uh, South Dakota State versus North Dakota State for this week in Fargo. Um, mainly because Ace and I talked about it. We we were like, huh, we have the the, the same game this week. And I was like, why why'd you decide that? And we had vaguely similar reasons. Mine was I just I really want to get an SCS game on the schedule. And I also just kind of want to see a game in the Fargo Dome. Like that seems like kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but then also there's just not a lot of incredible games that are going to be happening that week. No. So it so a really good FCS matchup had luckily placed itself in this area of time where it's otherwise kind of devoid of great games. Um I mean there's going to be like some games that are interesting. Arkansas BYU. That is an objectively interesting matchup if for nothing else than like fan base interaction. Yeah. Um LSU Florida is kind of interesting. Defense um, of the shoe. Yeah. The yeah. cleat yeet. Uh, USC Utah could be a good game as well. Um, Penn State Michigan could be a good game. Wisconsin Michigan State. Um, there's a few interesting games on here, but I mean, this is like a perfect week to uh, roll with an FCS game, in my opinion. Yeah. I agreed with you because. Th- there was no really great games for me this week. I think the one that was closest for me was BYU Arkansas, but I'm watching BYU the week before. So fair enough. So for week eight, I have Boise state at air force and no, it's not because I love watching triple offense, triple option offenses work because I am of the belief that air force needs to be an air raid team. I will die on that hill. But I've also heard that the Air Force Academy, which fun fact, Air Force Academy is its own city in Colorado. It's north of Colorado Springs. Hmm. Boise State versus Air Force. I've heard that part of Colorado is really nice. Plus, I get to see Boise State play football, which is typically a treat. Plus, I get to watch triple option football. So for me, going to visit color north of Colorado Springs. 
not a bad choice at all. Um, I was thinking about going out there this summer, but it ended up working out uh, out to Colorado Springs, or I suppose north of Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. I stand corrected. <laughs> but uh, there are a few interesting games this week, but for me, the one I really wanted to see was Iowa at Ohio State, primarily because I, I feel like anytime those two teams meet, there's upset alert for Ohio State. Um, and I'm interested to, to see it because Ohio State should, I, I feel like on paper, they they could be the best team in the country this year. You and already picked Iowa. Did I pick Iowa? Yeah, you picked them for the Cyhawk. Oh, I Iowa did. State. Wow. What an oversight on my part. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I can't pick that game. Um, then I guess I would have to roll with a backup pick then, which I mean, again, I did say there's like a few interesting matchups this week, but I would have to roll with uh, West. No, I can't pick them either. You're you're really caught me here, Ace. I'm sorry. <laughs> I um, didn't mean to. That's okay. Uh, I'll roll with Boise State and Air Force as well. Uh, I was thinking about the Colorado State game this week, but Boise State Air Force, you have some good reasons for it. And it would take me to basically the same place, uh, just a couple hours further south. And then, of course, you get to watch Boise State play football. And yeah, you're right. Air Force should be an air raid team. I think it's a little bit weird that they're not. But yeah, that's my pick for them. I can't believe I didn't notice that when I was doing this. But I did do this out of order because I couldn't figure out like weeks four through six. So I just like did zero through three. And then I just went backwards the rest of the way. Okay. So, like, for some reason, sometimes doing a list backwards makes makes it way easier but um my week nine game i went ahead and chose cincinnati and ucf just because um i wanted to watch uh, some future big 12 teams play i really don't have a lot of reasoning behind that get to go to orlando other than that yeah you do get to go to orlando which is nice so you you could visit some theme parks while you're there i suppose um easy pick for me that week. I mean, there's some other like nice games. Like there's like Florida, Georgia going on that week. Coastal Carolina Marshall was a game that I uh, seriously considered. Um, but I, I felt like that one stood out among the rest. Michigan, Michigan state is a, a great option with, and then like Notre Dame, Syracuse, Casey, Oklahoma state is a great option as well. I nearly picked that one, but didn't end up going with it. But what do you have? Yeah. You and I, you and I are saving Oklahoma State for the same game. Yep. I ended up going Michigan State and at Michigan in Ann Arbor. Never been to Michigan. I get conflicting reports of whether I want to go to Michigan, but I'm also a, one of the biggest suckers for in-state rivalry games that you'll ever meet. It's part of the reason why I think Bethlehem is my favorite non-K-State rivalry. It's why I love the Iron Bowl. Sue me, I love the Iron Bowl, but. I really love in-state football rivalries. Plus, I get to go see Ann Arbor, which is apparently a really, really nice college town. I so, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't yeah. know. But this will be a uh, revenge game for Michigan, as I recall. Because Michigan, right. Michigan State won this game last year. Because I, I remember Kenneth Walker had a big run in this game, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, should be a, should be a big game. Uh, this is also big year for Michigan State because I, I they really need to prove themselves, I think. Yeah, after kind of 
backpedaling towards the back end of last year. Mm-hmm. But my week 10 is Florida State at Miami. And this is the last time, if you don't count Army-Navy week when they are the only game, this is the last time that an NFL stadium makes my road trip list. It's Hard Rock Stadium down in Miami. Been to Miami, seen the stadium. It's a really nice stadium. Miami is a really cool place. At least it's a very interesting place. Uh, The nightlife is... Extremely interesting. But, you know, I get to see a Florida State team, which is probably garbage, against a Miami team who is disgustingly, he's going to probably be disgustingly overrated at the beginning of the season and turn out to be mediocre. They're kind of the Texas of the ACC. But, you know, I get to go to an NFL stadium, big city, and I get to chill out in Miami. So, took the words out of my mouth with them being like the Texas of the East. Cause yeah. I see Texas as Texas and then Miami's like the Texas of the East and USC is a Texas of the it's West. West. Yeah. That's kind of how I've always seen it. Um, but my week 10, I finally went with the cats here. I have uh, K state hosting Texas primarily because I really want us to beat Texas and what is very likely our final home game against Texas as a big 12 member. And uh, I also really want to, I really want to see the follow-up to last year's contest because we definitely should have beat them and we totally blew it. Um, ACU and I think this will probably be a chippy game. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I've talked I, to, I've, I'm not sure how much I can say, but I've talked to people on the team in passing um, if the anger carries over, this will be a very interesting game. Yeah, that, that's why I want to see this game uh, badly, um, because I'm not sure how busy I'll be, how many games I'll be able to make it to. But this is one I have circled on my calendar as a game that I really want to make an effort to get to. Uh, it's in early November, so hopefully kind of in that like Goldilocks zone for K-State games where seems at the beginning of the season, they're all really hot. End of the season, they're all just absolutely frigid. So hopefully we're able to have a decent weather game. Like anything between like 50 and 70, I would be totally happy with. Uh, 20 degree range, just I figure it out, honestly. Figure it out. (laughs) That's my my, uh, pick that week. Um, I'm going to week 11. I went with uh, Appalachian State and Marshall this week um mainly because uh this isn't a home game for app state i really want to see a game at app state but obviously just wasn't able to fit it into the schedule but i am interested in seeing app state marshall because marshall should be a solid team this year i as i recall they had a good year last year i might be this insanely good quarterback who's a true freshman during covid and he was He's still really good. <laughs> yeah, I, I forget how they finished last year and how they performed. Um, they may not have been as good as I thought because uh, they won only two of their last five. But um, I, I do want to see uh, those two teams play, uh, primarily just because I wanted to get a, uh, a different sort of game uh, on the schedule, which I'm looking back at Marshall, and they won seven games. They won seven and six they lost their bowl game 
but so not a bad year. Appalachian State, of course, has been one of the most successful group of five teams the last few seasons. So I'd really like to see them. So I want to get out of my way to get a uh, a solid group of five matchup uh, in here. So that this kind of jumped off the page to me. My week 11 is Colorado State versus Wyoming. Colorado State is hosting because I keep hearing how good a college town, how beautiful Fort Collins is. So I want to go to Fort Collins. Plus, I can pretend that this is a rivalry game. It's Cowboys against Rams. So just call it the sheep herding matchup. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, that's really it. Just want to see Fort Collins. The game's just kind of an excuse. Yeah, that, that's our, a really good pick as well. Honestly. Our week 12 matches. It's Bedlam. It's Bedlam. It's I, Bedlam. I love Bedlam so much. I'm... I'm just distraught that this game is not going to exist uh, in the future for probably like a decade. The last game of Bedlam, if everything remains the way it is right now, will be in Oklahoma State. Will be in Stillwater. That is a game that I don't know if I'd be able to attend, but I would seriously consider it. $200 ticket. Oh. <laughs> Man, that's a lot. Because remember, money. we seriously considered it this last year. But then we looked at the tickets, and it was like two hundred bucks. Yeah, that was, and it was like two hundred bucks in like the summer. It was like it was two hundred bucks in the middle of July. It, yeah, it was it was two hundred bucks pre realignment, creating even more hatred between the two schools. So it's only going to be worse, especially for the last bedlam for a while. So it, it would be very hard to find remotely affordable tickets for this game but i would seriously consider it but not holding my breath at all but yeah this is mine as well i feel like this is such an obvious pick uh for this week because i mean we had so much fun watching bedlam uh last year the end of that game was so much fun uh that that was great i felt we were all oklahoma state fans that day i feel like oh we were I, i was so happy for them they deserved that w and because uh, did Texas lose to KU the same day or no, that was like the week prior. No, that was the week before. Yeah. So yeah, you, you got those back to back, I suppose. But yeah, I was, uh, I, 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 I looked at, I looked through all the games. I did give them a fair shake, but I didn't, <laughs> I was like, you know what? If there's like some phenomenal match, I can't miss game. Then I'll consider it. But there was just nothing, absolutely nothing. USC, UCLA, and like Utah, Oregon, I considered, but not seriously. Not and that Bedlam is obviously the the pick here. Yeah. But that takes us into week thirteen, which I went with another rivalry that I very much want to see at some point, which is the Egg Bowl. I am. I, I chose it over some other really great rivalry games. Uh, Iron Bowl is on here. Georgia, Georgia Tech is on here. Uh, South Carolina, Clemson is a great rivalry game. Oregon, Oregon State is a good rivalry as well. Washington, Washington State, K, KUK State in the Sunflower Showdown. Notre Dame, USC is a really good rivalry game as well. Uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin. I mean, there's a lot of great games in this final week of the season, but I really want to watch the egg bowl because the egg bowl is 
I feel like consistently one of the weirdest games in college football. And I'll never forget watching it. And I think it was 2019. The like, Elijah Moore game. Yeah. Where they, I forget which team it was. They score a touchdown late. I think it's Ole Miss. It's Ole Miss. And they get the unsportsmanlike penalty. Uh, and they get the penalty, the point after kick pushed back 15 yards and they shank the extra point after excessive celebration. Through perhaps the more game, yeah, through perhaps the funniest celebration I've ever seen on a football field. Honestly, it's borderline worth it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, sorry about that. We had a there's nothing like technical difficulties in the last like 10 minutes of the episode, huh? (laughs) Not even 10, we're in the home stretch. Yeah, we were like in the last five minutes, and then Connor's internet said, nay, you will not finish this episode. <laughs> All right. So we can just wrap this up. My week 13 is University of Texas El Paso at UTSA in the Alamo Dome. Just another excuse to go down to San Antonio. And again, it's a place I've been, but it's a place that I'd want to go back to just because I think it's a really cool place. I got to do a boat ride on the canals. It was really cool. It's really cool. So I'd want to go back there in lieu of the fact that I technically, no way, I couldn't go to the Iron Bowl because Alabama, I mean, uh, Auburn, I've already used. Could go to the Egg Bowl, but eh, I want to go down to San Antonio. Fair play. All right. So we're both going to the Big 12 championship game in week 14. It's almost cheating because the cats will be there. Yeah, exactly. And then there's only one game in week 15. That's Army Navy. So obvious pick there. Yep. So yeah, that's that's our uh, that's our <laughs> that's our college football road trip. Thanks for coming back for like the three minutes there, Connor. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> with all that said thank you for listening to this episode of the Aggie Cats podcast thank you so much for listening if you want to follow or contact the show we are at Aggie Cats on Twitter it's capital A, capital A and capital C and cats if you want to email us we are AggieVoleyCats at gmail.com if you want to follow us on a more personal note I am at ACEdwards00 <laughs> I'm at Connor Balthazor, capital C, capital B. If you want to support the show financially, please be sure to visit the official Aggie Alley Cats merch store where you can find such designs as Play Sandstorm Cowards, Doom Tank Clan, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you for listening to this episode of the Aggie Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or bust internet and in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.